Why? Why? <laughs> I want to bring it back. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not even going to introduce the podcast for a second. I just want to say this. We're bringing it back. What the? Yeah, that's my boy came out like eight years ago, right? And that didn't oh my even God. bring it back. So yeah. it, it's. I think it's time for another round of trying to bring it back. Right. I, uh, do you think the internet is going to like find out about the plot of That's My Boy and the various twists and turns? And I really it's gonna... hope not. I think at this point, if they haven't, then it's safe. And yeah. then also, if not, I don't know. I, don't I mean, it's whatever. It's not it like is, yeah, it's but... not like I think like someone's going to come to my house and like take my Blu-ray away and be like, you can't watch this, Connor. If they did, I'd be like, just take it, man. It's, yeah. It's not that important <laughs> do, to me. Do, it's fine. It's, it's streaming on stars. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell them. Welcome back to a Maxi Car Dandler podcast. Hell yeah. Episode seven. Seven. Backslash 11. Ba- Hashtag, <laughs> you know what time it is. Spelled letter U, capital K, N O W, U T, I M E, I T I S. Tweet it, uh, Instagram it, put it on Facebook. Yeah, call all the socials. Um, your job and scream it into the phone. You know, put I have flyers. Uh, I have two more subtitles for the episode, by the way. Okay, and I have also, a hashtag too. Before, all right, cool. Before that, I just want to say, in episode four, I specifically talk about how I'm not going to talk about the episode number. Yeah. Anymore, um, and I, originally I was going to apologize for lying, right? But it wasn't your fault. It's not my fault, it's and my also fault. I decided that I'm going to talk about it in every fucking episode from now on. Okay, great. So, <laughs> That's good, honestly, because I feel like the need to say like, "Hey, it's episode seven. Yeah, which, which will help me. Also weird to me, but then I remember we haven't recorded episode five yet. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm like seven. What the fuck? But. And that was that was my fault, and that's what I want to apologize for. Is you said we're never gonna uh, mention the episode numbers again, mm. and then after we recorded it, I immediately was like, "Hey, I want to do this bit where we skip episode five and just make everything confusing, try to establish a podcast canon, which is like mm-hmm. the most backwards idea I could have had." <laughs> but that's that's why Max also, in terms of uh, coming clean about shit, yeah. So here's what happened, and I'm sure you can all relate to this too. Is you hear a quote in your life, and then you you paraphrase <laughs> I the quote. We haven't even talked about this. Yet. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> every time I listen back, I'm like, oh no, I hope people. I need to make this right. Didn't so, you do this? You didn't do this on the last episode we recorded. Oh shit! Did I? Maybe I, I think did. so because, um, we recorded it after we recorded episode four. Yeah, true. Okay, maybe I already addressed this, the whole Roger Reaper thing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's tough I, because I keep I go back and forth between like we record an episode and then I have to listen to the one before it really heavily. Yeah. In order to edit it. Um so I'm sorry for re apologizing no, for stealing the Roger Ebra quote. It's okay. I just um I was like ready to I was like going along with it. I was like, oh, yeah, right. I forgot we have to talk about this. But then I, I was like, wait a second. No, I don't think we do. Yeah, I think we're fine. <laughs> but um, welcome back to a Maxi Card and their podcast, yes. the podcast where two best friends talk about what they want to talk about. I'm one of those best friends. My name is Connor. Yes, my name is Max. And I still have I have two more subtitles for the episode. Okay, do you right, want to yeah. do your hashtag first, though? Hashtag Cool Ranch Doritos. 
really yeah okay i wasn't saying the title again to get to my good hashtag no no i didn't think so i just i, w- I was resetting after talking about roger ebert again <laughs> i'm not cutting anything though right. uh, please continue with your subtitles all right so the first one was episode it's episode seven backslash 11 and then the whole hashtag and then me spelling the hashtag it's hashtag all part cool of it. that's all part of it right all right and then we have episode seven, The Force Was Shaken, <laughs> which I think a lot of Star Wars fans who were upset by the sequel trilogy will be tickled by. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I just like, I just, it's like, oh, okay, I like, that's not my loop. to you. <laughs> just, yeah. Well, the good news, that character immediately died. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He shit himself to death because he was full of it. He got dysentery so bad. Yeah. Dysentery so bad. <laughs> Dissent so bad. <laughs> oh, God. Eat a fucking, I was going to say eat a fucking lemon, but that's not a good suggestion. No. If you thought last episode was off the rails, the train's in the forest now. <laughs> I, honestly, I just the, my my memory of the last episode is us just being like, "Uh, what do we talk about?" And I just I think, being tired. Yeah, I <laughs> but remember I'm always tired. I just remember being over caffeinated and and Sweet Harvey coming back by again. He did. Um, did you have another subtitle? I'm so sorry. No, I, I keep... do, but it's okay. No, no, let's get to it. <laughs> um, I, it's uh, all right. So this one is, and this is the last one because of the rule of threes. Right. Um, episode seven, the forks are naked, which it works on a couple of levels. Okay. And I'm going to explain them to you. And right. You're looking at me like you get it or at least get one of the levels. I think I'm just Please being hold. agreeable. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know well, if I understand where this is going. Episode seven, the forks are naked. Sounds a little bit phonetically like the force awakens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. And then also the forks are naked. The forks, they're peeping on the dish who ran away with the spoon. Oh. So they're naked because they're like jerking off and fucking each other. While they watch, the, while they peep on the, the dish and the spoon. How do you get fork fucked? Is it like they're touching tines? I mean, I imagine they just have, like, genitalia. But oh, okay. I think, it's what, you're, with... you're thinking, like, like conehead style? I don't remember coneheads, but I'm thinking, like, if you took two forks and were like, ding, 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 <laughs> and, like, made them fuck. Yeah, you know? sure. That's what so, I'm, yeah. No, coneheads, they, like, put these, like, like... I don't know, like rings on their heads and then they like put their foreheads together and they touch their hands. I don't know. It's, oh, okay. It's, uh, but do you they, remember in Avatar when they like plugged their braids into each other? They like docked their braids and that's how they fucked and we all watched it no, with our families because I in never, 3D. I never saw that movie. Oh, so do you not know about this? I know. There's you're, a love like, you're scene. You're not making this up? No, this is legit. This is actually in James Cameron's Avatar. Okay. There's a love scene between the two lead navi which is how it's pronounced and yeah. they have these long braids I but knew, at, i knew the pronunciation because of comedy bang bang at the end of the braids there's like this like fleshy like 
alien bit. I'm not and, a fan of this at all. You know, and like I also plugging. don't appreciate that you're talking with your fucking hands so vividly. I'm doing I, a gesture. You, you all can't see this, obviously, because it is audio. But Connor is is using his hands to for this whole explanation. Right now, it's almost the equivalent <laughs> of like you know in the episode of Community where Hawthorne wipes are like revealed to be like iconic in the gay community yeah and pierce doesn't get that the two men that approach him at the beginning of the episode are gay and right. to indicate gay he put he bumps put, two no he bumps oh, his yeah. two index fingers together that is it was all almost looked like what you were doing except your hands are holding two invisible dicks that are, I guess, are being mashed together. I guess, you know well, what? that's the thing. I'm, I'm more curious than I thought I was. Please continue. I'm it's sorry. not so much mashed together. And I think it's funny that you bring up community and Chevy Chase specifically. Okay. Because what I think of when I do this is him plugging in the lights oh, in Christmas Vacation. Hey, sure. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. And that's how it works. It's like you have the male end and the female end and oh. they like plug in. So that's how the braids work is like one like braid interlocks in the other okay. and that's how they fuck and do you they, see it do they come i don't i think i don't know if they like ejaculate well, but i'm yeah, pretty but sure I they mean, orgasm well that yeah that's what i mean yeah they come oh. <laughs> oh man i don't think my mom has gotten wind of the podcast yet and i really hope it stays that way i asked my mom if she would come on the podcast and she was like no <laughs> and i was like what really oh, why i'm disappointed but i understand i me too yeah <laughs> Um, I'm also, she hasn't listened to it and I'm glad. Um, and I think, that, you, oh, that's I think good. that's what you were getting at yeah. with, uh, your mom. My mom is aware of the podcast, but right. she, I don't think she's listened to it. She follows us on Instagram. Yeah. I think I brought that up where I was really excited to see that the Decker post or the, the Romeo, Romeo post. Romeo, oh, yeah. oh God. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't mention my dog that died fucking 10 years ago. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> I just want to be sure. No, it's weird. <laughs> but no, we did we did talk about my mom's Instagram and uh, using Romeo as our mascot. Yeah, uh, from here on out, which actually a good you know, boy for a a good podcast. He's a good boy. We yeah. can at least say that. That is not with confidence. With, in question, with this yeah. podcast being good, who are we to say? We can't judge our own work. Although I would, I I judge it a lot when I listen, and the yeah. the I get the sense I get. Yeah, never. <laughs> let's talk about something else. <laughs> well, so I actually I think maybe uh, I don't know. It, I guess it depends on how much work we get done. Mm -hmm. But by the time this episode comes up, we may have like officially revealed our new logo, which I like kind of teased on um on Twitter a little bit. Yeah, you know. So there's that. Yeah. I hope you like it. And also, there we just recorded our first Let's Play. We did. We played Hypnospace Outlaw. Can I ask you about your experience with Hypnospace Outlaw? Yeah. How it's been so far? So, so far, um, I was thrust into a game where you play an uh, internet police officer, and I was not told this. And then the first task is to press charges against a bunch of first graders for drawing pictures of a cartoon character. Yeah. I was very... 
fucking surprised to say the least. And I, I had that that kind of moral question last night of like I was testing out the first part of the game right. to see how quickly we'd get to certain sequences and mm-hmm. how it like play out. And I was like, oh shit! I feel like I should tell Max that you you play a it like you're not a cop. You're like a moderator on a forum. Yeah, but there's like heavy cop vibes. Oh, you're in it's a, like very it and. It from what I'm getting, it looks like the game is definitely going to progress into more high stakes things, yeah, than just like you know, copyright infringement, which right. is the first. Like, you still you are playing somebody who is like deciding whether or not something is a crime yeah and the thing is you like if something isn't they're they're called chime laws it's like very basic like you know you're fighting copyright infringement harassment illegal activity yeah like viruses and shit you're monitoring so i do want to make it clear the worst thing that you can do like the highest power you have is to like in essence, delete someone's MySpace page. Yeah, it's not... It's not it, like we're getting people arrested. No, it's... it. To say that you are playing a cop is definitely misleading. Yeah. But there are... It's... You it's, feel like you're playing a cop. Yeah, and yeah. it's heavily... It, it is heavily implied, I think, just from the way that the game uh, sets itself up. Because it's basically like... A, almost like a desktop simulator. Yeah, you know? you're... Basically, what you're doing is you're playing... Uh, you're using an alternate 1999 operating system. Yeah, it's basically like using a computer in an alternate reality. Yeah, and uh, the the way it's set up is that you're. It looks like an old like it looks like Windows 98, basically, although more fun and whimsical. Um, but the operating system you're using, HypnoS, is it's called a sleep time network. Yeah. So people are using it when they are asleep, but they still want to browse the internet. And I think we're getting there. Yeah. I feel like we're getting to that. Also, isn't that's a future. Isn't that a future? No, they have commercials in their dreams in Futurama. Oh, right. Yeah. But it is the kind of thing where the game is like heavily satirical. Mm -hmm. So you're not supposed to feel like good necessarily when you're banning little kids first grade artwork for <laughs> yeah. copyright oh, infringement yeah. and like that's the thing too is that it full-on says like these like my first grade class is right. pictures of uh what's his goof what, what gumshoe the, gooper gumshoe gooper which is actually like a terrifying like fish cryptid thing like, i think he's it, cute it has like we, the orifices are drawn very it's very startling there's some other pictures things too it's it was more uh um show gothian yeah you know i i I think maybe it was like the filtering and the dithering because i don't i didn't see any ooze but he definitely his mouth is open wide and like oh kind of thing so what was the green stuff grass i thought it was on his face Oh, I oh I think there was it was kind of weird and it's hard because it's like a lower quality image because it's like a fake nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it, it, but looks, it very looks like good for what it's supposed to be. Oh like, yeah, in terms of if you were like, does this look like what you remember computers looking like in nineteen ninety nine? Like playing fucking like whatever that Goosebumps computer game is, where yeah. you fall asleep on the bus and wake up at some like like scary like 
flower place or something you, yeah you some know sort of like that i'm talking about i never played it but this is super similar to hypno in that what i did was i had like a there was a trailer that was on my computer and it would come up in a little window thing and you'd watch like a little bit of gameplay mostly cinematic stuff it showed like the bus thing you being dropped off in front of like the weird factory place yeah yeah so a lot of hypno has that same kind of feeling of you'll watch instructional videos that feel like the old Windows 98 instructional videos, mm-hmm. right down to like the font. There was a font that they use for like the buzzwords like joy, imagination. Yeah. And everything is so fucking spot on design wise. And I had another point, but before I forget it, have you ever watched the Friends Windows 98 instructional video? Um, I think I think you sent me the link, like the YouTube link once yeah. upon a time. And like... As somebody who doesn't even enjoy the show Friends, like, it was not my niche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I were a Friends fan, I think I might have been more like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. But I was just like, oh, hey, yeah, this is a thing. I enjoy it more from a, this is, like, from an industrial film perspective. Not necessarily because Matthew Perry and Jennifer Aniston are in it, but because they're bringing their Hollywood talents to the, like, how the heck does this email thing work? Did you know that Carnival of Souls was made by industrial filmmakers? No, but that makes in a weird way that like makes sense to me. It does kind of like you can see it in certain shots and like edits, I think, like particularly how the movie is very opens very loosely where things yeah. are happening really quickly. But when I first read that, I was just like, get the fuck out of here, really? Yeah. Because it's just like that movie in my head is like, you know, a masterpiece. Right. And it is a masterpiece. It's just surprising. But also, well, is it really that surprising that industry like you know for higher filmmakers would be like hey let's make a movie you know that's more what i was getting at is like there are people with strong technical knowledge Mm. that probably feel extremely unfulfilled creatively so like carnival of souls is probably what was building up in them that they wanted to express while they're making those industrials Mm -hmm. it's like okay now we can really let loose and make the movie we want to make as opposed to like well you see now uh <laughs> this is the pepperidge farms conveyor belt and uh you know it's a nice belt yeah and you got to change it every six months <laughs> so just mm-hmm. watch out watch the tread you've you've Keep seen it on the you've seen them rift 101 times on uh mystery science theater yeah um and that's those... why i appreciate hypnospace outlaw because yeah. it's like very anti-capitalist you know what i was gonna say that is not related to that whatsoever although i do agree with that point i was just gonna say that um i don't know if this is like an unpopular opinion necessarily but some of my favorite mystery science theater riffs are the industrial films and not necessarily like the narratives or like the monster movies i think they lend themselves more to riffing i think i think that i agree and i also think um that there's a part of me with the features where I'm just kind of like, uh, well, I want to watch. I just kind of want to watch a movie. Yeah. You know, that's my problem with um, I run into that sometimes with riff tracks on Amazon. Yeah. Where I'll find the riff tracks version of Stone Cold. 
That, and I'm like, I just ex- want to fucking watch Stone Cold. Exa- like, <laughs> oh, exactly. I got really excited once because right? I was like, oh, Stone Cold is on fucking Amazon. Like, oh, Fuck yeah. hell yeah. I really want to see Stone Cold. I haven't gotten an opportunity to. The one time I did, I had to miss it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, but if y'all haven't seen Stone Cold, <laughs> like definitely seek it out because it's a it's a very great action movie that I feel like not a lot of people had heard of. But that could just be because of my perspective. Like, it was a surprise to me. I'd never heard of the movie before. I checked it out. Oh, but it's yeah, great. no. I I hadn't heard of it before either. Um, what we saw it at, a friend of ours had gotten loaned a couple of um, 35 millimeter prints that he screened privately for his bachelor party. Yeah. I missed the second film, unfortunately. But you did get to oh, see, I, we got to see Pinball Summer. We sure fucking did. Yeah. Um, and that was very special. And then he, he did get to, he got to squeeze that into, uh, one of his last marathons before, um, the godforsaken Alamo. Yeah. Um, the shit pit. Yeah. You know, uh, and him parted ways. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, and I could be wrong, but, um, I think of pinball summer as the gentleman's joysticks, <laughs> which I want to be, I hope the voice indicated is like very clearly a fucking joke because it still like has the whole eighties problem of like, oh, this is like pretty misogynist. And the main, ca- there's not a likable character in that entire movie. Yeah. Everybody in that movie is like a bully. Yeah. Even like the protagonists, I don't know. I I don't know if I can like explain why I love that movie so much. Right, it's tough, and I'd have to watch it again before I really like came at it to like <laughs> go deep into why I I loved that movie experience so much. It's a, but it's special. It's very pure. Yeah, it's like this is the kind of movie we're fucking making, so let's make this fucking movie. And everybody was like, "All right, sure." And then it's also like fucking Canada, you know? Yeah. So it, <laughs> from the director of My Bloody Valentine. Oh shit! I did. I either didn't know that or forgot it, but mm-hmm. I'm still equally it, surprised to find that out. I believe that My Bloody Valentine was the very next movie that he directed. Wow. After Pinball Summer. Um. Yeah, Pinball Summer, wonderful film. Pinballs. I don't. I should have the theme song stuck in my head, but I don't for some reason. I can't remember how the melody goes. Uh, yeah, I don't it's know. It's a pinball summer. Oh boy, I don't know how it goes either. But that was um a good upper, a good, a good, uh, a good effort. <laughs> it was yeah. a really good effort. Good effort, Connor. Oh, that was just me doing a voice, but it did sound like a certain song. We... I thought he was here. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about that. Um. So last time we recorded, you asked me if I had listened to his visit, his first visit. Yeah. And I hadn't. But now I have. And I want to address it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple things I want to okay. uh, talk about, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. This was going to happen sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys were talking and yeah. Sweet Harvey was saying all this stuff about how like I died. Yeah. I went to the necrosphere. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to talk about is uh, you asked Sweet Harvey a question. <laughs> okay. And I can't super hear it because Sweet Harvey talks over you. We have that same problem. It's interesting that we both do that. Yeah. Um, and I apologize for that. I, okay. I think I did Don't that. Don't worry about it. It's all over this episode. And every time I'm like, <laughs> stop. But anyway, uh, he, you asked him either what's we hawking or where's we hawking. <laughs> and that's what I want to address. 
Um, I said where because where? I know what Weehawken is. Oh, okay, cool. In, like I'm aware that it is a place. So you don't need me to talk about how it was the the place where Hamilton and Burr had oh, their final duel. My God, no. Okay, it's in New Jersey. Okay. So that was oh there uh, there is wait one. really their duel was in New why'd they go to New Jersey to duel if they lived up here because it was illegal in New York oh. they like got up early super early one morning and like went to Jersey uh, secretly God. to shoot each other that whole thing is fucking dumb yeah and oh boy there's a part and I'm so sorry oh, there's a part in Hamilton nice where. Burr is talking to Hamilton mm-hmm. and he says, Can hey, we I'm Aaron Burr. Yeah. Hey, I'm Aaron Burr. And I'm here to say, I think duels are really dumb today. But no, he literally says, uh, can we agree that duels are dumb? And Alexander Hamilton says, well, sure. That is in the, that is in the musical. What? So why, why'd they do it? I, cause they're dumb. Oh. They're dumb idiot pieces of shit. In the words of that one Mr. Show sketch, oh, you men. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first thing I want to address. The second thing I want to address, okay. and this is probably more what people expect me to talk about hmm. after all those revelations. Yeah. Sweetharvey.bandcamp.com is a real thing. He wasn't fibbing. No, you. Yeah, you sent me this last night. And yeah. I got to. I listened to a couple of the tracks, and I was. Very impressed and surprised. No, it's not what I expected whatsoever. None of the songs are like, there's one song that's just barely over a minute, but they're like 20 to 40 seconds. It's like he was like, he's like pitching you the idea that he is a musician. Yeah. He doesn't want to overwhelm you with like songs. Right. So he's just like, (laughs) here's little tastes tastes of what it would sound like if I actually made music. Yeah. And all of them are introductions. Like all of them are him introducing different aspects of his life. And if you listen to Introduction and Introduction Part 2, his rap ability just, like, jumps oh, in between those it's two. it's fucking wild. Yeah. Like, the number of fucking syllables he gets into that second piece compared to the first one is, like, quadrupled. Yeah. He really, and he, like, I, it, yeah. I don't know if I was more, if, I think the difference because i was impressed by introduction part one right right you know yeah me too like the stark difference in just like not expecting it to jump that much i was like what the fuck is going on yeah like did i don't know if he like record like there had to have been like some kind of time lapse between when he recorded those songs. I guess so. Either Maybe. that or he just like was so bolstered by the fact that he got the first track down that he's like, let me try something, you know, a little bit, a little bit spicier. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, it worked for him, I think. Yeah. You so- can check it out. Uh, Sweet Harvey spelled exactly like it sounds. Yep. Uh, or I guess not because it's Swede. Swede. Harvey. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one other thing about that that I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. I just want to mention real quick. I don't know if I told you. I actually sold him some beats. So the last two tracks are my beats. It took we've me, been in contact with, and I've been we've been talking about music mostly. Yeah. It yeah. took me a, a, much too long to realize that you were not talking about the root vegetable. Oh. 
Well, honestly, and you I was know, like, why? What is this? Is a reference that I do not remember. Yeah, <laughs> like he he's, he had he edits the episodes. He hears it a lot more than I do. Right. I don't fucking know. Sure, beats beats. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I should try now, to sell him some beats. There's I, a yeah. Do you have beats? I don't. But there's that farm across the no, motel for me. That's true. So I could just I buy those. It was just a big dirt plot. It oh, looks wait, like, no, yeah. there is a f- little stand there. Yeah, they have. Gr- there's a sign outside, and it just says, we have great tomatoes. Hell yeah. But yeah, I don't want to say the name of the farm, even though it's a very... I really like the name of the farm, but I don't want to dox myself. Yeah. Which we had to... Max saw firsthand how easy it is to break into my place. Yes. Because I forgot my keys. We did it today. It took about... Well, to be fair, you know exactly, like, step by step what you're doing. That's true, So yeah. it's very expedited, but it is astonishingly simple. And there's some, like, point-and-click adventure-style tips where, like, if you are really observant, you'd be like, oh, I see how this door yep. is fucked up. hmm Absolutely. Yeah. Um... But I feel like I'm I feel like I'm co-opting the conversation. So if you have any topics you want to get into, it's, to, it's totally cool. Um, I little little what's what? that from? Little little it's um SpongeBob. Oh right, it's yeah, Patrick, of course. Patrick's yeah. fucking uh, police siren, bro. Yeah, with the yeah the uh, ice cream guy. Yeah. Um. Oh. Bro, I got fucking topics. Oh, shit, you got pod tops? Yeah, hold on. Let me get my notebook. All right, here we go. Um, yeah. What pod you been tops. Reading? I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what you been reading? Oh, I <laughs> haven't. <laughs> and the said, uh, Hypnospace, I guess? Yeah, I guess that counts. That, Technic- technically, you are reading. And that is the thing. I, I, I'm just going to finish this point from earlier. Hmm. Hypnospace takes place when you're sleeping, like in the game universe. Yeah. Um, So I think it's a pretty clear satirical bent on like the dangers of staying up late on the computer and the health ramification that could have. Sure. So I was like, I fully understand that this game is telling me for my health not to play this game right now. <laughs> And yet I cannot stop staying up all night playing Hypnospace. Yeah. And it, it's a similar thing to like Death Stranding mm. where uh, like when Sam rests or needs to rest, mm-hmm. it's programmed. So that's when you're supposed to take a break from the game. Yeah. For And I just always make him push through it. Or like I give him some monster or something, and I'm like, "All right, that's enough, Sam. Come on, let's let's yeah, go." Yeah, I guess it depends. Usually, if like I'll like if I know that Sam has to rest, then because it's like it's such a quick process. Yeah, like if especially if you were near, um, you know, like a safe house or a distribution center. Oh right, but like I meant when you like stop and he like sits down oh, and like rests on his pack. Oh, I thought you meant like like actually like going into like the fucking like you know right yeah basically the, checkpoint yeah sorry not no not the long rest oh, uh, oh the, like okay, when he has to like pop a squat rest, yeah. yeah no i never uh, yeah it's just like power through like we gotta keep going bro what are you doing fucking sitting down got delivers to make yeah and that's another thing where that's generally my mo in that situation mm-hmm. but that's the only game where i've like been content to every now and again sit him down and let him like sleep and just like not play the game, but I don't like go on my phone. I'm just like 
watch him like resting and uh, that's the only game where i've done it's that. an amazing game to look at yeah it really is like i mentioned it uh on the let's play a little bit but i fucking hate watching people play video games right. I've gotten better about it over the years like especially over the last couple of years you've helped me learn to enjoy video games a lot yeah um but for a long time i just didn't really play video games or enjoy watching them especially enjoy people like watching people play video games you know um but the first time i saw death stranding i was just like like mouth agape like fucking like this is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen Right. Like playing that game too. It's so cinematic. Visually, I mean, the you want to get into the fucking story and the dialogue, that's something else. Right. <laughs> but even like like you're saying, not even the cutscenes, but I don't know how they did it where the terrain is designed in such a way mm. that no matter where you put the camera, it looks cinematic as hell. Oh yeah. And there are sequences where like the camera will zoom back and go into more of a fixed spot. Like when the music kicks on. I was just about stuff. to say yeah. when it's like you're it's like the game is basically like, look, you're just running for a while at this point, you know, you defeated like the you know, Be- challenges in this area or whatever. The tar whale. Yeah, exactly. Fucking raining tar whales from the sky while you're battling like a Lovecraftian tar beast and tar people are throwing you like weapons to help you kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh love that game. <laughs> Me too. Oh man. It is a wild game. Um I there is something that I wanted to talk about that I think it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently and I I don't know how I feel about it exactly it's cop movies okay yeah great I because like so it's you know we ended the last podcast saying defund the police um we are you know i don't think i'm speaking for you by saying no. that um we are very firmly uh in support of the black lives matter movement as well as the abolition eventually of um prisons and the police department in general yeah but goddamn i love me some fucking cop movies right and that's i'm i don't know if you've had a similar experience but it's the kind of thing where it's it's easy for us as like you know uh white people yeah to obviously be more ignorant to you know the struggles and i feel like that's even like an understatement to say struggles oh, but just, just like, like the, the entire impression. point of view yeah of, yeah uh, of a person of color mm-hmm. in america so it's the kind of thing where even though obviously these have been issues that have been and again, issues feels like not doing it justice. These yeah, atrocities it, yeah, yeah. have existed for fucking hundreds of years, but it really feels like, but I was still able to watch cop movies, mm-hmm. you know, with, for the most part being like, and it's obviously different based on what movie you're talking about, sure. but being on the side of the police, yeah. right? And it's only like recently that I think about these kind of movies and I'm just like, it, it, it feels different. It feels like the culture has shifted so much mm-hmm. that it doesn't feel like it feels. I don't know. It doesn't feel acceptable almost to like engage with that. It's hard to separate 
the film from the the horrible things we're witnessing every day in reality. Yeah, that have existed for quite some time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Obviously, but it's it's tough because. And while there are obviously there are so many of these of these movies, like let's say fucking you know uh, I can't or what is the name End of Watch yeah um, and I think Training Day to an extent as well even though it was directed by uh, F Gary Gray and not David Ayer Ayer wrote Training Day but Ayer directed and wrote End of Watch those movies both have you know pretty stereotypical like quote-unquote villains yeah. you know so there it i think there there are some cop movies where it's like this is like the renegade cop who's like sticking up for what's right and actually good you know like uh code of silence with chuck norris where he's just like fuck you, like, I'm not gonna, you know, lie for you and, you know, just, like, this and that. And he's, like, his own cop who's, like, out for, like, the good and right thing, you know? And yeah. it's just, like... Or Ethan Hawke in Training Day. Sure. Where he's, like, not down with the corruption. Mm -hmm. He's the cop with the conscience. Yeah, that's he's gonna reject. what I'm trying yeah. to say about Chuck Norris, except not... I don't know why I just didn't fucking explain that in Code of Silence, a police officer kills a child and then puts a gun in his hand and, like, frames him, and Chuck Norris's character is just, like, you know, I'm not about lying and shit like that and they're like he refuses to sign a petition to like help the cop and like it's like you know showing that all of these cops are like rallying to help support like the police officer that murdered this child of color right um and then the chuck norris character is like no like you know what you did and i know what you're like and so you watch movies like that and it's like, oh, OK, maybe there are some cops that are like that. But then you also have to look at the fucking systemic problem of where the police originated and how like it's just built on the foundation of racism. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing like you were talking about where at least that film somewhat addresses that it's a systemic issue. Yeah. Because as you pointed out, the people rally behind the cop who framed the kid. Yeah. But it does present it as such a way that like one good cop mm -hmm. can fight the system. One good cop can fix it. Right. And it's because and it's systemic. A, he influences one more cop to be like, um, you know what? No, I'm going to tell the truth. And yeah. it's like, all right. And so it just, it, it's like, that all sounds nice, mm -hmm. but it's the kind of thing where that's wholly unrealistic, and that's not how the system is going to be fixed, Yeah, and the system is inherently broken. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, like, if every part of your computer is fucking dead, like, shit the bed, mm -hmm. but, you know, I don't know, your video card still works, you don't, it wouldn't behoove you to, like, replace out each part individually the system is broken. You right, gotta right. replace the system or get a new system. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that are in place with uh, the police, the prison system, just America as a whole. Yeah, they're trying to build a prison. What? They're trying to build a prison. Who? They're trying Where? to build a prison for you and me to live in. Oh. Another, yeah, another prison <laughs> <I thought> system. <laughs> is this a song? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
It's prison song. Oh, okay. Well, that's it's 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 fit. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm Dude, sorry. All research shows that uh, <laughs> I'd be the target sure, demo. No, I don't fucking know. Oh, it's more of the. It's the. It's more of the song. Yeah, <laughs> that I don't know the lyrics to, but I know the uh, message, which is that um, the prison industrial complex is bad, and that's, I agree. That's something that's weird that is like partially pre it's not present in Twin Peaks the Return, mm. but it's talked about a little bit in the books that surround Twin Peaks the Return, where one of the th- things that happened in Twin Peaks post Fire Walk with Me mm-hmm. is that they built a private prison just outside of Twin Peaks. Okay. And it's like obviously again, this is something that's been like an issue for at least decades, if not longer. Right. But it's interesting to see how just recently David Lynch and Mark Frost were like talking about those kind of issues Mm -hmm. and how that all like blends into the hate that America was built on. And then it's also interesting that you bring up Twin Peaks, though, because Twin Peaks, specifically the first two seasons, and I think season three to an extent as well, um, because those actually focus on the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, they give you you know, Sheriff Harry S. Truman, or in season three, we get Frank Truman, or we have Andy, you know, and we have Hawk. We have the fucking Twin Peak Sheriff's Department is like, you know, the dream, like, that's what police are supposed to be right. in, like, a perfect world, you know? It's like the Sorkin thing, where, like, the newsroom is, this is how I'd want the news to work, or the West Wing is like, this is how I wish Washington was. Yeah. The Twin Peak Sheriff's Department is like, the ideal for a a community police. And then with the FBI, too, it's like you have fucking Dale Cooper, and it's like, what bad thing can you say about Dale Cooper? And when it comes down to it, those characters don't have those flaws. They're not present. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that that is a fault of David Lynch, because that show is about so many fucking things, you know, that, and it's, it's definitely there. Because ultimately the show is just about violence in general, you know? Um, But it is, it's just, it's part of that thing that digs its way into your subconscious, particularly if you are a white person, where it's like, yeah, but what about those good cops that I saw in, like, the movie, you know? Like, the hero cops who, like, want to find out who killed Laura Palmer, you know? Or, like... Andy fucking being sensitive and crying at the crime scene. It's like, sure, we want to fucking believe that that's what it's like. Right. But but that's not what it's like. No. And but then I also think that Lynch sets up that universe so well that it's like, well, this is, doesn't take place in our world. Yeah. You know, although the um, and this is obviously more Mark Frost oriented than Lynch oriented. But so much of the books that bookended the season were mm-hmm. about, like, America's greatest sins. Like, it starts with the Native Americans and us just utterly decimating them and stealing their land. And there's a large a large part of it is based on, um, is it the Lakota tribe? And I they have think the, so, yeah. So the, a large part of it is about how like Rushmore was like their sacred tribal land and how it was taken from well, them. What what is now Mount Rushmore? Yeah, what is now Mount Rushmore? Yeah, what was yeah, once absolutely. it was originally Faces the Black of Hills. Stone, Albert. Yeah, exactly, and that pops up. And you might say like that isn't you know you shouldn't have to read another book 
that's attached to the series, but I also think that stuff is like still present in the metaphor oh, of the return. It's absolutely there. Yeah. But it's also part of the fun of Twin Peaks is solving the mystery yourself, right. which is impossible, but it's you have to go outside of the show to do so, you know. And Lynch is, has gone on record saying he's much more of like an emotional filmmaker mm-hmm. where he's like instilling a feeling in you, not necessarily like something that you would over intellectualize or like really dig down into mm-hmm. but the great thing about it is it there's also room for that too i'm not because saying you there, can't do that because there is um thought behind it yeah absolutely yeah. It, there's substance to it yeah so it's not like he's like yeah you know eraser head's supposed to make you feel things but like don't think about it too much because it doesn't make any sense it's yeah, like eraser head makes perfect fucking sense it's a very surreal and abstract movie i don't claim to know what it means whatsoever but i'm not watching it and thinking this is just a bunch of random nonsense it's in- incredibly deliberate i can i can i can explain eraser head in like 2 seconds okay sucks to be a dad <laughs> or yeah. it mm-hmm. sucks to be a new dad yeah i think that that's i mean that's definitely a big thing that i get from it when i watch it yeah it's just like yeah i mean it's it's that whole movie is anxiety you know yeah um but even in in twin peaks in the return when they have like there's like what we say like or you know there's what the, you say there's <laughs> what you say oh uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh my god i hope we get sued by emojin heap i i'll take it i'll go to court and this be is, like i was talking about this on twitter the other day because i have an idea for a story that i don't know right. if it's legal to publish yeah i don't think the, it well, is <laughs> we don't need to talk about it right rega- regardless um i was talking about on twitter uh how it would be pointless to sue me because I don't have anything. Right. If So please don't sue me because I'm poor. If you want student debt, I guess you can sue you, that out yeah, of me. <laughs> do you want it? That's fine. Right. You, you can, can take that. Take in the that. Suit. Yeah. But basically, Emojin Heap, I think, is fine to yeah. sue us. I think so. Well, I mean, sure. Remember how that Fru-Fru song ends garden state do you remember a time when you thought the can garden we talk about garden state i really don't want to okay now that yeah. i was started i also interrupted it, I you got annoyed yeah <laughs> i started thinking about the garden state soundtrack and i was like oh wow i st- i think i think I st- i'm gonna say it i think it's a good song hmm. i just really hate the message of garden state which is like stop taking your meds uh stop talking to your therapist go jump into a relationship that'll fix you that's like so fucked (laughs) yeah i never thought about it like that me either until someone pointed that out and i was like oh shit that is what that movie's about yeah no it is not something that i um hold in very high regard anymore yeah Uh, but I'm so sorry. My dumb joke. You were in the middle of something and I had to do my um, what you say. No, that's fine. Truthfully, I don't even fucking remember. But it's like that. I don't feel bad about it. OK. But what well, were we? Oh, we no, were talking about I, cop movies. I remember now. I remember now um, about uh, what we were talking about. Cop movies. We got onto Twin Peaks. I was yeah. going to say uh, because we were talking about how the Frost books talk about America's greatest sins and how even there is the interpretation of episode eight. 
which is about how basically um, the first successful test of the atomic bomb, right. which, as we know, was used to fucking kill and then, you know, or uh, injure fucking thousands and thousands of people uh, at the end of World War Two. Yeah. Uh, the first successful test of that is what like blew the fucking door open between our world and the black lodge and allowed the lodge to send Bob to, and like that evil to this world. Yeah. Um, so it is, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's there in twin peaks a little bit, like you were saying, but it is, it's something that is so abstract and you have to go very much outside of it. Yeah. And I believe there's even like, uh, I'm pretty sure I might be making this up, but mm. I think there's a picture of maybe not that specific test, but of an atomic bomb test in a racer head. I'm pretty sure there's a picture of that hanging on a wall somewhere. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. in the lobby yeah. of uh, Henry's apartment building, which also has the same patterned floor as the Black Lodge. Yeah. Uh-huh. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of, I noticed a lot of parallels last time I watched Eraserhead between that and Twin Peaks, like close-ups of, of lights or electric objects. Right, yeah. Or like that, like electricity sound. Um, but yeah, no, they do have the atomic bomb test in the, the photos hanging in the lobby of the apartment building that Henry lives in, yeah. I think the sound design for Eraserhead is some of the best sound design I've ever heard in a movie. And the part that always really gets me, um, I don't know if you can spoil Eraserhead, because like I mentioned on an earlier podcast, Max like sat down next to me in graphics class and just told me the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it still didn't like diminish the impact of that movie in any way whatsoever. No. Because it's such an experience. You can't explain like a feeling. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so the part that always gets me is when the... It's like towards the end of the movie and there's that weird shit going on with the baby and there's the giant baby head and it's popping oh, up I in different about the right? giant baby head. Yeah. But every time like the lights flicker in such a particular way and you hear a whoom, 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 it's like this electrical whooping. Uh, yeah, no, I know oh, exactly man. what you're talking about. Yeah. Dude, that I mean, it's amazing that Eraserhead is essentially a student film because that movie is fucking just mind blowing. Yeah, it's, I think it's a masterpiece. It is. It's a perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, the shot of it's a close up. The like the first like close up of Hen- the woman that lives across the hallway from yeah. Henry when she walks out of the darkness and her face just kind of illuminates in that like stark black and white contrast. I think is one of the greatest close-ups in the history of cinema. Yeah, um, the lighting in that movie is so incredible. Yeah, and. It's just like his his clarity of vision in terms of like this is the aesthetic I want is unbelievable because it's just like he fucking it's every one of his movies that he would go on to make pretty much is present in the aesthetic of Eraserhead. Yeah, he like his vision was fully established. And I wonder how much of that comes from the fact that he had like training in the fine arts and how he started as a painter Mm -hmm. so maybe he was already like so set i don't want to say set because that makes it seem like he's not like never grew as an artist which i don't think is true no i mean the growth is clear yeah watch his movies 
But like you were saying, like right from the get go, he's just like so clear and firm in his vision. Yeah. And that movie, like for those that don't know, was shot over the course of like five years. Well, and it makes sense that they took that long yeah. as well, considering that, you know, not in like the sense that he's he's not like Kubrick in like it, it has to be this fucking way. Yeah. You know, because you they, have to have 100 takes and then we can start acting because Lynch also like inherently believes that working that way with uh, a cast and crew is going to harm your product yeah and that you need to create like a safe environment where people feel comfortable in collaborating and not like you are a fucking puppeteer you know so that's another reason why i love him so much yeah but i think that that five years that it took to make a racer head it, it is is so important to how deliberate every moment of that movie feels right because if he didn't have that length of time i mean he wouldn't have finished it um but it even so like if there had been a finished cut from like two years of production it wouldn't feel nearly as like perfect as it right does. and what i'm getting at is the fact that i'm pretty sure i'm correct in this they had to like rebuild sets so it's not even like okay we'll do like this set and mm. then we're good and then we'll pick this up next year yeah it's like they had to rebuild stuff but it still maintains that consistency so it's not just like that they took the time they needed to make it mm -hmm. but they maintained the design throughout the like on and off periods of them whenever they were able yeah. to film i mean even jack nance kept his fucking haircut for yeah. five years he kept his fucking hair like that it, just um, think about the wild. dedication if you don't know what we're talking about, look up Eraserhead. You'll see the haircut. Jack Nance had that shit for five years. Yeah. Also, if you don't know what we're talking about and you look up Eraserhead, you'll be <laughs> like, oh, this. Yeah. Which, honestly, for the longest time growing up, I confused. I thought Powder was Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I've seen Eraserhead. And they start watching a race car. I was like, "Whoa, Wait, this is not the movie." So it, it was just like purely like a you just thought that the movie was had a different title than it did. Like you knew the title Eraserhead, and you knew the movie Powder. Yeah, and you just thought that Powder was titled Eraserhead for like no real reason. Well, I had probably seen the poster somewhere, okay. and he's like, "It's that like high key black and white." So he's like very like. On the poster, Jack Nance is very, like, pretty pale looking sure, because sure, of the yeah. photography. So I just conflated his visage in Eraserhead with the fact that that dude in powder is literally, like, chalk white. Yeah. And I was like, these are the same movie. Mm -hmm. That kid, is, I thought they, like, called that. I thought that was, like, their nickname for him was Eraserhead. <laughs> nice. So yeah, when I so I started watching Eraserhead, like, one time thinking it was powder and being like, uh -huh. whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> Not that Powder isn't a weird fucking movie. No. It, it feels like one of those movies where I'm like, I dreamt that, right? That scene where he sucks the life out of the dude and like puts it into the deer. Yeah. That the hunter shot. I don't think I've ever seen Powder. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to see yeah. Powder now. I because, think it's fine. you know, it, Victor Salva made that movie. Oh, shit. Okay. In my head, it was Alex uh, Proyas. I'm fucking that up. No, for sure. you're not. No, that's, oh, that's yeah. his name. I did it. Cool. I think. So I'm upset that I've been talking about a Victor Solomon no, movie that's this okay. whole time. I mean, I don't, th I think. I think you're right. I think I'm right too, but yeah. I'm not positive and I'm going to check now. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. 
Um, so we can move on from that totally because uh-huh. fuck that guy. Piece of shit, garbage human being. That's not even close to how I feel about his shittiness oh, as a person. Boy. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, but then, so there are, I think I, there are to this day, there are some movies that you would consider cop movies that I think. I'd still consider like my favorite movies ever, mm-hmm. but they're the kinds of cop movies that it feels weird to like, it feels weird to call Thunder Road a cop movie, you know? Yeah. Because like he is a cop and it's prominent part of the movie, but it like, I don't think about it as a cop movie because right. the movie is about his relationship with his daughter yeah. and it's not about like the police department, you know? <laughs> Although they do address like some failings of the police department and they make it absolutely they make it clear that he's like, you know, he's racist and that it affects his job performance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think so. That's I think that's one of the reasons that and so why Thunder Road is so successful as a quote unquote cop movie. It's just like when I think about it, I'm never like, yeah, favorite cop movies like Thunder Road. It's right. Like, because no, when I think about cop movies, like the first place I go is like fucking Copland, which is a, a badass movie. Like that movie fucking kicks ass. And it's also because it's like a Western. It was directed by James Mangold. And it's about like, you know, that it has almost that code of silence thing where it's about a good cop who is fighting corruption and a a specific type of corruption that i don't think i have seen present in other movies at least not that i can remember where it addresses the fact that it's uh where do they where do the where is he the sheriff of uh sylvester salones right yeah (laughs) i walked into that one (laughs) No, but he's like, it's, is it, it's, is it it's, Staten Island? I, what? I was going to say New Jersey. We're really fucking bad at this. Staten yeah. Island or New Jersey. I don't know. It's the, But it the whole point either is. either one fucking, what's his name is in it. Um, Harvey Keitel? No, that's not what I was going to say. Oh, but it's he's not, in it, right? Is he? Oh, Robert De Niro. Oh, Robert De Niro. I think Yoda's they're both in, in it, it, but maybe I'm making sure. I was up. thinking of, uh, what's his name? The white guy. Like the really white guy. Powder? Yeah, powder. Um, I don't know who's Crispin Glover. He's the no. Um, he's the Michael Rappaport. Yes, <laughs> the one white actor that is a uh, list on the bamboozled one sheet. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, but the the point I'm trying to make is that they don't live. They live far away from the precinct that they police. Mm. So Sylvester Stallone is the sheriff of Copland where all these cops live. (laughs) And the whole point is like they're able to it's not their community. Right. No. So it's like there's this mentality that's bred Mm -hmm. through systemic racism that it's like, oh, this is like these are the bad neighborhoods. Yeah. And there's this sense of like, I don't give a shit because like it's not my fucking town. Mm hmm. And but then and that's still something that you hear about to this day, like because yeah. we'll talk about like you know Poughkeepsie for example, where we still can hear about like oh like there's that the city of Poughkeepsie is dangerous. It's this. It's that. It's like is it is it dangerous or do you mean that it's poor and is has mostly black residents? Yeah, you know. And we can talk about uh. So we is it 
do you, how how do you well maybe I won't I won't say the name of the school hmm. but you probably figure it out oh that is, so that's interesting let's maybe we'll not say the name of the school but but I'll talk about the situation that and it is very easy to figure out what school we're talking about yeah if you're familiar with the area if you're for, even if, like Google you could probably figure it out yeah but the, the high school we went to it was interesting because and this goes back to how like prevalent systemic racism is today Mm -hmm. still is that i found out maybe like our senior year or shortly after we graduated that our school was founded illegally Mm -hmm. because it was founded around the time of segregation without state funding without state funding and it was because there was they wanted to have a, a school that wasn't integrated so because they had opened the ibm plant in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. Right. And they wanted to have a school where the IBM employees, uh, parentheses white people, could send their students so they wouldn't have to go, quote, all the way to Poughkeepsie High School where most of the students are black. And it was weird because my the house I grew up in was like right on the border of the school district. You're almost closer to the city of Poughkeepsie than the town of Poughkeepsie. Yeah. I was like, I was literally on the street that like separates the town and the city. It's like, like you, one it's end is the basic, town, one is the city. Yeah, basically and I'm in the middle. like living on the bridge. Yeah. From like, you know, town A to town B. Right. Or like town A to city A. And it's something where when you're growing up and you're like, oh, we defeated segregation. It's not a problem. Mm. It just so happens that my school happens to be majority white people. Yeah. And then I went to Poughkeepsie High School. Well, I guess I'll say that one. Uh, <laughs> well, then we were. I think yeah. we already talked about that. But I mean, whatever. Anyway, you know. But I went to Poughkeepsie High School for summer school, and it was completely flipped. It was predominantly black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was. I was like, oh. Wait, so how did this happen? And the answer is systemic racism. Yeah. <laughs> that is how it fucking happened. Mm-hmm. And within the same within Poughkeepsie itself, it is like very clearly divided along class and racial lines. Absolutely. To an astonishing extent. And it's the kind of thing like I said before where for a lot of people it's going to be like, yeah, no shit. Mm-hmm. It's always been that way. Yeah, of course. But it is just to illustrate the fact that like we are so far from where we should be. In terms of how fucking broken this country is. Like we are the like to think back to like the early 2000s when mm-hmm. there was all that like post racial shit going on. That was like 20 fucking years ago. <laughs> and we're still in such a bad spot. Yeah. No. Well, so that's something that like I even I talked to my mom about. Um, I don't want to say that I don't keep up with current events, but I don't like watch the fucking news, right? You know, because I just can't handle it. Um, but you know, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, where she says that basically what you were saying is we want to think that we've come so far, and that you know all of these horrible, violent acts against people of color used to happen, but that doesn't happen anymore. And then you find out, oh wait, yes, it does, and it hasn't gotten better. It just, you know, you don't hear about it as much because the people around you aren't all talking about it because, you know, it's not, like, accepted to be racist like it was fucking 50 years ago. Yeah. You know? And it seems to be trending towards more acceptable, if anything. Like, what's happening with our government 
is trending in a direction like that seems extremely regressive mm. and we're already in a bad fucking spot to begin with. Exactly. So to go backwards is even more like mind melting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all because, and this is something that, you know, might be, it was something that I definitely had to think about is that I won't say his name, but it's very clear who I'm talking about. Mm. There's a certain fucking guy who's, you know, everybody is rallying it seemed like in our in our circle i don't want to say everybody obviously uh-huh. but is rallying against and it's like we got to take care of this one fucking guy right oh we got to get rid of that, that guy yeah got to <laughs> get rid of that sure, guy yeah but mm. the problem is so much bigger that mm-hmm. that is definitely something that needs to happen yeah but that's not the solution that's no. the first step oh yeah that's you know? like um taking the cork out of the wine bottle yeah but like you still there's you know Still a couple of things you need to do before you can even put the wine in the glass. Right. And right. that's like, you know, several steps removed from even taking your first sip. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's interesting that like all the, uh, maybe we can end the wrap up, put a button in the conversation about the cop movies, but mm. all the cop movies, even though they have that thing where it's, it's, it's the one good cop. Sure. All the movies we've mentioned do, at least in some way, shape or fashion, address the corruption within the police force. Yeah. So how do you feel about movies that like are just strictly like, like this is a cop movie, like your lethal weapons where they're like, not only are they cops, but they're doing like illegal shit. Yeah. You know, that like, you know, save the day, so to speak. Exactly. Or something like, um, out for justice with Steven Seagal. That movie is literally like, fucking relaxing to watch in a way because it sets up like this is who the good guy is and this is like who the bad guys are so steven seagal plays a cop who is also friendly with the mob and like this guy who both the police and the mob are mad at kills uh kills steven seagal's best friend so the movie is just steven seagal going looking for this guy with the cops and the mafia both being like hey What are you going to do? They shot that guy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I enjoy watching Steven Seagal kick people's asses. uh, And Out for Justice is a fun movie. But it does have that weird feeling of like, well, this is just like this. There's no commentary happening here. Yeah. This is just a movie about police officers taking advantage of the fact that they can get away with whatever they want to. Right. And it becomes this weird thing where how like where's the line between something that's like fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I enjoy this even if it doesn't have a deeper meaning and I recognize its problematic nature and at the end of the day it is just a fantasy. Mm-hmm. So where's the line between that and like, well, there's elements of this that feel like propaganda, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think that a way about a lot of you know, e- war films or just like yeah, exactly. Mar- Marvel films. In ge- I think there is a certain a, a degree of propaganda in a lot of the Marvel films where it's like, you know, this is the way that justice works, you know? Captain America Civil War is, hey, we drafted these documents, so there's going to be regulation, mm-hmm. there's going to be accountability, this will, this is for the public welfare, this is for public safety, and Captain America's like, no, 
I need to be able to serve justice the way I need to be able to serve justice. I'm not going to sign that. We're going to go rogue. We're going to go vigilante. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like when you're watching it, it makes sense within the story. And it's like true to the characters. Yeah. But you take a step back and look at that messaging. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder about like how much of Hollywood is kind of like how everything feeds into itself. And you're like, okay, I want to watch the news to get my results right and i don't want to get too like conspiracy theory-ish because i definitely like the whole fucking fake news shit like mm. kills me mm-hmm. even though and it it hurts because sometimes it is like yeah don't trust everything you see on the news yeah but it's used to uh, like deny science or some shit you know and i'm like fuck off yeah. but what i'm saying is that when you it's hard to be it, it's something they teach really early in school is be careful about your sources mm. and get different sources to like eliminate bias right yeah definitely so if you think about well we have all these different news networks but america is such a monopoly sheen that mm. if you go up the ranks it's like oh well they're owned by like viacom or rupert murdoch or whatever right it's like a handful of companies and you're like well if those companies are also involved in hollywood like, Hollywood feels like it's half Disney right now, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Disney owns fucking everything. Mm-hmm. So if they also... And they also own, like, ABC. Yeah. So if that shit... And obviously, they'd want to be in good politically because they're a major corporation. And that's probably how they've been able to fucking monopolize this whole time. Because it's everybody... I was talking about this with my brother, how we live in such a hierarchical society. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry for not saying that right. <laughs> but... The people are elected to represent the people, mm. and instead, we have built a system where it's in their best interest to represent themselves. Yeah. So we've established this wealthy class of people that make the rules, and they make the rules to benefit them. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, watch this movie, uh, feel good about the police. Thank yeah. you so much for your money. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's there's and like you could just dive so much deeper into it yeah but i yeah i mean i think that's that and i think that that would be a good note to go out on but i'm gonna talk about one more cop movie just because i think that it is an outlier and it's also really under the radar um which is top of the heap by christopher st john Mm -hmm. um which is specifically is a movie that was written and directed by a black man who is also the star of the film and is about a black police officer who faces it's it's like there's prejudice coming from both sides you know where he is not treated like an equal by his fellow police officers even though that is clearly where his allegiance lies yeah and yet he is also you know not necessarily like almost not considered a black man by the black community yeah so it's like this really wild uh super fucking tense like you know that movie is just like like a uh, fucking like just waiting to burst the entire time right you know so it's this man just stuck in this terrible like middle ground and you just like you see him like get pulled back and forth and it very much talks to i think just so much about the culture in terms of what people expect from police officers and how police officers are both 
thought of by specific communities as well as how they treat specific communities and the way that they are trained to inherently treat these communities regardless of what their individual background is. They are no longer an individual. They become one of like these, you know, blue figures. Right. And because he's a black man, he's like not even accepted in that way Mm -hmm. as part of the police community. So he is like two major facets of his identity are just like taken from him basically. Yeah. And how does he operate in that like in between space? Mm -hmm. If you know Max or I personally, uh, I think you do. We both have the Blu-ray. Yes. So we'd be more than happy to show it to you because it's an incredible film. It is a wonderful movie. Lots of really cool dream sequences about going to outer space and, um, yeah, the dream sequences are like it's a really. It's uh, a. It's a very. It's. It is a very singular movie. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything that can really be compared to Top of the Heap because it doesn't feel like like it's early like seventy two I think, but it doesn't feel like black exploitation or anything no, like that. Not at like, all. Like it doesn't feel like you know a Rudy Ray Moore film or anything like that. It's very very serious. And it's silly to say like the dream sequences are dreamlike because of course they are. Yeah, yeah. But there is a really like hypnotic surreal nature to them. Oh yeah, there's like they work on their own logic uh, yeah. that is very. It's it's comedic in a lot of ways, um, but also is very much, uh, very much a serious film. Yeah, there's there's so much subtext to it that even like the ridiculous nature of those dream sequences is like you know might result in you laughing. Yeah, and they are funny scenes. Yeah, uh, when it comes down to it, but they work in the context of the movie because overall it's all speaking to a particular theme about what it means to be black in the United States ultimately. Like, and this is, this is different because this is more of a comedy, Hmm. but Putney Swope is like one of the funniest fucking movies I've ever seen. Absolutely. But you're not, you don't finish Putney Swope being like, ha ha, that was, I, I'm, oh boy, you're not like. No, definitely not. And it's, you know, I think Putney Swope, Putney Swope is, is, Flat out a comedy, you yeah, know, just like full on one hundred and fifty percent. And top uh, of the heap is not. No, it is not. And then also, Putney Swope is written and directed by a white man. Um, that's very true. Yeah, that's a which is great something that I often forget. Me too. Because the movie is so quote unquote radical for its time, uh, which I believe nineteen sixty nine is when it came out. But it was directed by Robert Downey Senior. Um, but and that's another also- thing to keep in mind, like just like checking different media sources, it's important to contextualize the films and the messages based on like the experience of the I don't want to say the author because it is such a collaborative medium, right? Right. It's not like he was the only guy on that movie. But I think no. it is important to kind of like look at it through that kind of lens of like, okay, I'm I think I'm understanding the messaging. Right. But also like where is this person coming from in presenting me this message? That's true. And I think in regards to Putney Swope, it is it's a very important movie because it gets that um it very much takes like the perspective of like I don't want to say that there are sides, like the white side and the black side. Right. But it is very much on it's Putney Swope is not on the wrong side. 
Could you, you know? say it takes the side of the disenfranchised? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's what I will say. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, Putney Swoop, without a doubt, takes the side of the disenfranchised. But I think that it's important that Robert Downey Sr. was like, all right, I'm going to make this movie and this is the way we're going to make it. Yeah. Because he, you know, was able to do more than, unfortunately, what a black filmmaker would have been able to do with right. it at that time just based on the systemic racism of Hollywood that, you know, even like it's an independent film, but regardless, just film in general, even to this day, it's like how it's how many more white filmmakers could you name than black filmmakers, you know, which right. I'm not going to do that right now, obviously, but just like in general for like the audience and stuff too, it's, it, it's so much easier for you. I'm sure to think of, white filmmakers or white actors because you've seen so many more of them you know yeah. and it comes to the like a large an unfortunate part of the hiring process mm. is people hiring other people who remind themselves of themselves mm -hmm. that's a horrible way to phrase it because it's so, there's so much redundancy but if you're you know if you're a older white studio executive you have this young white guy come in and you're mm. like i like this kid he reminds me of me there's a large that's a huge factor in Hollywood. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why that system is so fucked, because that very directly inhibits diverse voices from putting their movies out there. Right. And that's probably why someone like Robert Downey Sr. felt like, well, I kind of need to shepherd this a little bit to get this message out there. Mm -hmm. But we're now at a point where it's more important to get like we were talking about in episode four. You know, black voices telling black stories. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Islamic voices telling is Islamic stories. Like the whole, I mean, I'm not going to list every single well, yeah, race no, and creed and culture, but, but you know what I mean? Yeah. We shouldn't be telling other culture stories. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, it, it's like if, if a white director had directed Rosewood instead of John yeah. Singleton, you know, it would have been fucking disgustingly inappropriate. Yeah. Um, like it just, that movie, I don't think would it, it, it wouldn't exist. Yeah. Or at least at this point, everybody would be like, oh, no. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking about Rosewood. No. It's, but, it's like the whole that Confederate shit that the fucking Game of Thrones guys were trying to do. Oh, my God. I fucking forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy! It's like this. This would like this might be different if it, you guys weren't white, but like, you are. So yeah. what the fuck are and you doing? Also, read the fucking room. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh boy, I totally forgot about that. I'm sorry to remind you. Oh man, I feel like I want to like not end on that note. Okay. I wanted. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's like? What's a? Uh, well, well. Okay. I'll. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Real quick, like, you know, if if you're out, you're out. We went long. Uh, uh -huh. Oh, we did. Yeah, no, we definitely did go long, which is funny because it's on a giant screen this time that we <laughs> yeah. can, like, both see. It's on, like, my, like, what, like, 40-inch TV or yeah. something that we're looking at? Mm -hmm. Um but I, I I feel weird ending on such a dour note, even yeah. though like not to say that the discussion we just had wasn't extremely important. Yeah. And I'm super glad we had it. Uh -huh. Um, But maybe real quick. Yeah, yeah. And maybe this isn't quote unquote light, but what is I was thinking about that was uh, we had to go to a store. <laughs> I want him to oh. store. Yeah, I want to yeah, give him a yeah. shout out. But we had to get some cables for the Let's Play stuff because mm. I thought I had them, but I didn't. And there was this employee who was like too nervous to ask me to like 
uh, move over slightly so he could stock an item. <laughs> so I didn't notice, but he was just like holding up a remote to like the side of my head. Yeah. And I turn around and there's a guy just like staring at me holding a remote. I was like, oh, sorry, excuse me. Um, so I was wondering, what's the most do you have? Can you think of the most like the most someone has crossed a line with your personal boundaries in like a store setting? Um, or is that like too much to emotionally recall? <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think it is. I just don't know. Like I've worked in a grocery store for the Lexus. I mean, a lady showed me um, a tick that was embedded like pretty uh below below her uh belt line belt line yeah Ugh. uh yeah that was that was a strange right saw saw way more hair than i wanted to oh boy mm-hmm. oh geez i'm yeah. so sorry no it's cool <laughs> i was at a laundromat one time and there was one of the machines was out of order and i had my headphones in because i'm just like i need to be distracted a little bit mm-hmm. just to calm myself down because i get like very socially anxious yeah yeah which I think was extremely founded in this case because what this person did was fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like loading my stuff into the dryer and the dryer like above it was out of order, but the one I was using was fine. But this person next to me misunderstood mm. and thought I was loading clothes into a broken dryer. So they were trying to help me out and they were trying to get my attention by waving okay so they wave and i look and that is like totally fine sure they waved i looked they now have my attention but they thought i don't know i'm looking them dead in the eye like i'm looking at you now right Mm -hmm. and they must have thought i still wasn't aware that they were speaking to me so they went and they tapped the side of my head (laughs) like a fucking fishbowl like they took their their ring finger and they're like Mm -hmm. tap 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 on my skull yeah. like on my temple like hey hey but like i'm a fucking door they're like hey i'm here yeah, yeah. i'm like that's my head dude <laughs> and that's they thought that was an acceptable way to be like hey i'm trying to tell you something and i've never been more uh flummoxed <laughs> than them fucking tapping on my goddamn that's skull honestly probably how fucking fish feel yeah i i think it's super don't and for fish it must be so much worse because imagine like if a giant tapped on your house Mm-mm. and it was like, woo, 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 I don't want to imagine that because it is scary. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Hey, let me line up the podcast. Imagine a giant is fucking with your shit. <laughs> How would yeah. you feel? Tell uh, me about your worst experience with gi- <laughs> just in general. Yeah. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry if you're thinking about that now. And I'm sorry too. What's the uh, what's the best thing that happened to you? Yeah. Um, oh boy. I guess uh, it's a good note to go out on. It's yeah. A struggling to figure out what note to go out on. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. I'm going to cut. There's going to be some dead air. Okay. Um, but it, it this won't be worth it. Hold on. Okay. Are you going to play a song? Kind of. How do I turn this off? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. No, stop. <laughs> Here's a good note to go out on. C. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Max and Connor. Mm-hmm. Please rate and review for the love of God. Oh my God, uh, we are very poor in both money and listeners. Mm-hmm. But we we uh, for those who are listening, I've been talking more to our friends who have been listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh um, yeah, no, it, it it means the world that uh, any of you have been enjoying this. Um, you passed along some advice from a friend of the podcast about mm-hmm, I did. the ears wax situation. Did you say ears wax again? I don't know if I did. In my head, I said ears wax, but if I said, I, I might I have just, know. I might just be mad <laughs> yeah. and have heard ears wax. But um, right, regardless, I was gonna do a bit where uh, I I tried that joke every episode <laughs> in different ways. But anyway, thank you so much uh, to the person who helped me with that situation. Yeah. I mean, it was already taken care of, but they gave me some good advice that I was genuinely super grateful to have. So thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. And thank you all for listening. Yes. And then we'll see you next time. It's, well, I mean, yeah, nobody's going to see anybody. Right. But, but you'll hear us next time. Next time. Cool. Goodbye. Goodbye.